Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Corp Podcast, episode 171. Benjamin Yoder here today talk to you about video games. And in terms of, like, stuff I'm playing, I don't really have a lot new to talk about. Um, it's, I'm recording this on a Saturday night, so I'm hot off the, the Jet Girls online ranked racing scene. <laughs> so, so yeah, and I did pretty well this week, actually. I, I, I changed my Jet my jet uh, machine a little bit and, and really gave a focus to um, this thing where basically... Um, when you're drifting, you can get some additional boost added to your boost gauge. And so I equipped a bunch of stuff that kind of enhanced that part of my jet my jet machine. So it really gave me the ability to kind of um, pace out my boosts. And then at the end of a boost, kind of like slide into a turn or something like that. Or, or even like start sliding across a straightaway to, to get just enough uh, boost back in my system that I could boost once again. Um, so it really made it so I could c- kind of consistently keep a pretty fast pace. And, and there is like a key to the timing on that. Because if you are boosting, you can't gain more boost meter back uh, for your jet machine. So so that, that kind of became the strategy I had online. And it, it seemed to work out pretty well, actually. Actually, um, it gave me a lot more like having, having the ability to kind of drift and increase my my boost gauge by quite a bit uh, gave me a lot more freedom in my resources, I feel like. So it made it so if I wanted to use my weapon specials um, using my boost meter, it wasn't nearly as punishing as if I was just doing a normal uh, uh, a normal jet machine setup where I was just kind of, you know, boosting when I when I, you know, slowly built up that meter either through just like racing normally or like doing the little boost rings and things like that so making a a machine that was kind of aimed towards gaining boost i think was a was a real benefit but otherwise though like my experience from from last week is pretty much the same experience i had this week uh the one challenge being i think this is the problem with every racing game is that if you get to the point where you're like in front of everybody um the race could come become a little boring you know especially in a game like mario kart or a mario kart style racer where you have the ability to kind of attack each other um you know once you get past that first lap if you start putting distance between you and the other opponents you kind of just end up by yourself up in front and and i think that kind of kills a little of the excitement a little bit so i'm hoping that um you know i i think i i was kind of fortunate that i that i stumbled across my current build for the jet machine and i'm hoping um you know the people who are also playing on ps4 um will will begin to like kind of uh, build out their jet machines in some unique ways and and Hopefully I can learn more about how that game should work. I think I mentioned last week maybe, but um, uh, the Japanese player base seemed to be kind of focused on not drifting at all, actually. Just kind of uh, boosting around corners and trying to keep as tight as the on the wall as possible. So that could be an interesting strategy. I might I might give that a shot next week and just like do a a machine that's very much focused on on handling around those tight corners and just keeping that in place. But but my biggest concern would be actually keeping up the boost kind of thing. But but yeah, it's actually I actually joined a second uh, Jet Girls Discord group now that I now that I mention it, and it is a PC focused Discord group. So I don't really have a lot of my own. Like, I'm not going to get a lot out of that group, unfortunately. There are PS4 players in there, and they do seem to organize from time to time, but it seems very small uh, for that group. So, But the Japanese player base, or a couple of the Japanese players, uh, ended up in that Discord group. So they've been kind of interacting with the Western fans a little bit, which is kind of interesting to see You know, them posting their videos from January and surprisingly be able to speak enough English that they've been able to you know, kind of communicate um, kind of their what they're doing in the game and, and talk a little about, about some of the bugs that are kind 
kind of frustrating. There's there's some weird stuff with like using your your special and then also using your boost and then also like using your weapon that can cause like some things to cancel out and then you just kind of lose like your boost meter even though nothing really happened or something like that. Um and and so there's like some weird weird bugs like that in the game and unfortunately it sounds like it's been present for the entire time the game's been out in Japan and they just haven't ever fixed it. Again, I don't think they're really going to patch Jet Girls, but hey, if they do, cool cool cool. Uh, then I've also just been playing some more Rainbow Six Vegas still. Uh, nothing really new there, and I don't really know if I'm going to talk about this game, you know, that much more. I think it's pretty pretty typical squad-based shooter kind of thing. Well, if you want to call it squad-based, you can play a single player, but, you know, just kind of, you know, I don't know. It's a shooter. Fun, fun shooter that has, like, a, a preciousness to your life. You know, it's pretty quick time to kill, so so you have to be careful about, you know, taking in too many shots. You know, you can take one or two shots. Uh, I did go ahead and actually armor up my character a little bit to make it a little bit more uh, easier to be, um, you know, not just get one-shotted by a guy with, like, a desert eagle or something. Um, um, but I've been enjoying it overall. It, it just There's just not a lot to say about it. It's a, it's a shooter, an early early uh shooter with a co- or early cover system based shooter um so so it does feel, play a little chunky but i i don't really think we'll do too much on that and then i'm still just playing the last story so just getting you know pushing through that game at this time uh but yeah other than that i haven't really done that much new i mean i guess i beat jet girl i didn't do that by last week but i don't really have anything to add about that other than the story was kind of not great um, but yeah, I'll have a, um, a kind of a complete video for Jet Girls at some point. I'm not going to do like a full review of it. I don't think there's enough for me to say about that game to make it a full review. Um, but, but I'll probably do something that, that is in the current format of what the quick looks have been looking at quick plays, <laughs> uh, have been looking like, and I think I might end up renaming those quick plays after, after some more thought about it. You know, the quick play format was very much based off uh, quick looks from Giant Bomb, which are a very different thing, and and you know it feels a little a little weird and vague putting the current videos under the quick play label. And I, I had thought that I was going to be just kind of settle with that, but I think I might change it to be something more more review like still, but just not a scripted review. But but I think I do want to kind of like categorize it as a review because these games I'm talking about. I have played through them and I have kind of like complete thoughts on them. It's not like I'm just, you know, checking in while I'm halfway through the game or something like that. Right. So. So, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll look into that and see what's what's best. I would like to make a decision about that this weekend, honestly, but but we'll see. Um, otherwise, though, I'll have something on Jet Girls at some point. Um, probably not this next week, but maybe the week afterwards we'll we'll, we'll have it. Um, this podcast this week is largely going to be focused on, on news. There's a lot of release date information that came out and I'll probably talk a little bit about the games themselves as well. And there's also a few game reveals as well that were kind of relevant to me. You know, I'm a Nintendo fan. So, uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity that was announced and it's basically a new, uh, Muso style Zelda game. I don't know if you would call it a Zelda game per se, but Muso style game in the Zelda franchise, I guess you could say. Um, and, and I never picked up the original Hyrule Warriors and I think at this time, I probably would still be most likely to pick up the original Hyrule Warriors, at least if we're talking about, you know, the characters that are in that game. This one's very much based off of Breath of the Wild. It's actually canonically based in Breath of the Wild as well. Like, the story is actually a part of that timeline there, it seems like. And it seems very based on a lot of the um, the events that happened, like, I think it's like 100 years before uh, uh, the events of Breath of the Wild kind of thing. So that's really cool. And I'll say, it's a great-looking game. It it looks... Well, let me... Let me, let me Take that back. It's a great looking Musou game. It looks as good as Breath of the Wild does in terms of visual style. That was what I was most impressed by. Just the fact that it looked 
so close to Breath of the Wild. I'm assuming it's using a lot of the same assets and, and look, but, but you know, I feel like Musou games always kind of look a little off compared to their source material. <laughs> but, you know, maybe I could be wrong about that. I have not played a lot of Musou games. Um, but yeah, it looks pretty neat. I think the big thing that would really sell me on this game is just having a game with a different structure. I think that's what I really interests me in Dragon Quest Heroes 2 is that structure that game felt very more you know, RPG-like, it actually felt more like Dragon Quest Swords to me than anything, um, um, with, like, it's kind of, like, you know, kind of an overworld you're exploring, but it, it, it is kind of limited in a lot of ways, but that, that's perfectly fine. But in the case of Hyrule Warriors so far, uh, nothing's really jumped out at me. A lot of the areas that you're in seems to be kind of closed off in, like, a battlefield kind of space. You know, obviously, Breath of the Wild is more about being an open-world thing. And I know Dynasty Warriors has done open-world before. Um, I think it did not particularly do it well. So I'd be curious to see if they were to try that again um, in this case, and if they, you know, are working with Nintendo again a little more guidance on that um but but we'll see i i don't get the impression that's going to be what it is but but they didn't show a ton of gameplay in that initial trailer so that's actually coming out pretty soon it's like november 20th so that's you know maybe not like the game that everybody would want at the end of this year but it's i think it's it's a it's a good little bit of something you know i think i think this whole this whole holiday season for nintendo switch owners is going to be you know, little bits of fun little Nintendo things and not much more. <laughs> so, so yeah. And they said they're going to have a new Breath of the Wild 2 update. Um, well, the, the, the new, well, let me roll that back. They said at the end of the trailer, next update, 926. I assume that's in relation to Breath of the Wild 2. Um, but I, I don't know for sure. Like, I'm not a huge Breath of the Wild fan, if you don't know that. I have a video about it. Um, and, and there's a lot of things that game just kind of fails to do, in my opinion, even for what it's trying to do with its open world aspect. And then also, you know, how I view it as a Zelda game. I kind of think it does bad on both of those fronts. Uh, but there are some interesting things in between that I think make it, make it interesting as a game in terms of like how the world reacts to Link and what he's doing in there and things like that. I think the world feels very, Link very much feels like a part of that world uh, versus something like, let's say, Xenoblade Chronicles X, where you as the character can't really interact with that world in any way. You know, just think about like other Nintendo open world games, I guess. Um, so, so I think Breath of the Wild is like, has that strength. And so with Breath of the Wild 2, you know, at this point, I don't really have a lot of expectations. It's going to be anything more than what I that I already don't like about that game, to be honest. Um, but if it, but I am curious to see what it turns out to be, and I think I am definitely willing to to give it a look um, whenever they show it off again and and try to see if it's something that I'm I'm willing to to spend some time on. I I'm I was probably a fairly big Zelda fan uh, leading up to Breath of the Wild, and while Breath of the Wild didn't really do it for me, um, I'm curious to see if they are able to. I don't know if course correct is the right word because I think some people would say, look how successful Breath of the Wild is. And, and you know, that, that, that is peak what that game should be at this point. I think the game reviewed pretty well, despite me saying, you know, just now saying that I did not like it on either front of what it tried to do. Um, but, but I think it would be interesting to see if they are able to improve what, what I found to be problematic with that first game. And, and if they were to refocus the game, I think they really need to scale that game down in terms of scope, honestly, but you know, that's not quite what people want. But, it, but one thing it also made me think about was just like, I'm surprised I'm willing at this point, I'm very open to giving Zelda another chance, whether that's in the Breath of the Wild style or something different. Um, where there is also uh, an announcement that there is going to be some near info coming up soon. I s assume in relation to that near remaster or whatever. And oh man, I could not muster the energy to be excited for a new near thing. Like oh, 
Like the reason why these two are connected is because like I I really like Zelda the the series and then I also really like the original Nier and both of those games kind of just <laughs> rained on my parade on terms of like what I liked about those games and and made me feel like I'm like oh, maybe I'm not a fan of this series anymore but in the case of the breath of the wild i seem very open to like seeing more of it in in terms of at least breath of the wild too but you know hopefully whatever comes next that it will be be something different with near like oh i don't know if i like i don't know i don't have a lot of hope for near at this point <laughs> anyways let's get off the topic of near uh there's also a new pocky and rocky that got announced it's coming uh sometime next year um there was a trailer and it looks very much like pocky and rocky which is basically if you don't know it's like this top down kind of i don't know if you call it kind of like shooter kind of thing you're like this little characters that run around and you throw these little chakrams in front of you and you can like swing your little your little stick and hit things with that it's it, it's kind of like an arcadey arcadey like top down action game i guess you could say in some ways it reminds me more of like a shooter than it is like like anything else but but yeah and that trailer looks very much like what that series normally looks like but but I liked Pocky and Rocky as a kid and I haven't really had a chance to go back and and revisit it I know there's that other like Pocky and Rocky spin-off series I think the the European name was like Snow Princess Sayuki or something like that um I forget what the US name was for it or maybe that was the US name I can't remember um but but yeah I was I'm I'm curious to see you know well, I don't know if I'm curious to see anything with that. It's just, it looks pretty much like Pocky and Rocky. So maybe, maybe it's where I, I kind of dip my toes back in. I'm, I'm not quite sure where the best starting point for that is. And I don't know if those games are readily available anywhere other than emulation, obviously. <laughs> um, but you know, I don't have like a Super Nintendo and I think the original Pocky and Rocky is a Super Nintendo game. So, or, or the, the original one that I'm thinking of, I actually don't know. That might be Pocky and Rocky 2, actually. Um, but thinking of like air or like series that I can't really figure out where to jump in on, uh, one game I think I am going to jump in on at, at like at this point finally is, uh, Oni Chambara Bikini Zombie Slayer Origins. Well, I think it's just Oni Chambara Origins, which is a remake of the original Oni Chambara. And, uh, this was announced a while ago. I've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, I think it's just like a really nice looking game, like a really like aesthetically looks very pleasing. And, and also I think because of the more, you know, stringent guidelines of Sony at this point, when it comes to, you know, character clothing and things like that for females specifically, um, they, they have kind of changed it. So the outfit types in that game are usually more of different outfits rather than like, Hey, you want to wear a banana and two strawberries over your privates and, and calling that an outfit kind of thing. Um, um, so it, it looks appealing to me in terms of, uh, as, as a game, I'm going to guess like gameplay wise, it's probably not going to be very special. Also, I like schoolgirl zombie hunters, despite that being just like a janky third person shooter. So I kind of feel like I should give Oni Jampara a shot. And this seems like a, a good spot to, to start with, at least in terms of seems like it plays well. It's got a nice look to it. And, you know, when it comes to the previous games, nothing about those old games seem to particularly stand out other than they're just, you know, on PS2 on, you know, on their previous platforms, things like that. Um, so I might check that out and that got a release date announced for, uh, October 14th. So I'm, I, I may get that near launch. Actually, it seemed like Oni Chambara Z2 was like a six to eight hour game. So that seems very, very doable on, on my part. And I think Schoolgirl Zombie Hunters was also very, very short overall. Uh, I'm going to, I don't think this has any kind of multiplayer in it, unlike Schoolgirl Zombie Hunters, but I think I'll, I think I'll pick it up and check it out. I, I've been wanting to check out that series for a while now, and this seems like, 
you know, A, it's a remake of the original game. B, it's got a nice look to it. C, it's got some nice clothes in it too. And, and nice clothes, the ability to choose between different nice clothes is a weirdly appealing thing for me in a lot of games. That's one thing I can say about Jet Girls. I did try to mess with like the clothing options in Jet Girls. And there's just not a lot there. I mean, Peach Beach Splash had the same problem to some extent, but there's definitely significantly more swimsuits in this game or like tied off tops kind of thing. You know, more of, of summery, you know, beachy kind of things rather than rather than actual outfits. Where at least in like Sinergura, Peach Beach Splash, you had all the character outfits of all the characters in Sinergura. So, so yeah, this game doesn't have as much as that. So anyways, back off Jet Girls. Uh, speaking of more hack and slash stuff, uh, this is something I was not aware. Apparently, No More Heroes 3 was scheduled to come out in 2020. I had no idea. <laughs> so, like, I was just like, oh, okay, when they announced that they were pushing it to 2021. I don't think we've seen, like, real gameplay of that game yet. So if you don't remember, for next, what was it called? New Game Plus Expo, I think is what it was called, that that um, E3 time period uh, showcase that was done with like a lot of Japanese developers. It's actually a very appealing showcase for me. I, I hope they keep doing that, um, where it's just like a bunch of Japanese, smaller Japanese developers came together to do like an hour-long presentation. Uh, and No More Heroes 3 was in that presentation technically, uh, but Suda51 was just like sitting over the footage. So you could see the gameplay in the background, but he was like green screened in over the center of the screen. <laughs> so it was like technically we've seen No More Heroes 3, but they haven't really showed any real gameplay that we could take a look at, you know, see what what's going on mechanically with that game or or things like that. So, so you know, I'm not too surprised it's not coming out this year, but you know, at the same time I it, 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 we haven't really seen anything from it, the thing. So, so yeah, I'll be curious to see when we first start seeing some No More Heroes 3 stuff. I mean, Tokyo Game Show stuff's coming up here soon, right? It's September. It's Tokyo Game Show time. I actually don't know the days of Tokyo Game Show. Uh, I think it's one of the stream actually mentioned that Tokyo Game Show was coming up and was like, are you going to watch it? And I'm like, Tokyo Game Show is a lot of shows at once. <laughs> it's like, I feel like whenever you watch Tokyo Game Show, there's like 12 streams going on. Uh, and then three of them are people talking on stage. Three of them are people you know, looking at mobile games. And then three of them are like panels of people just like sitting there, you know, looking at screenshots of Fantasy Star Online 2 costumes or something. <laughs> I don't know. Tokyo Game Show live broadcasting is kind of its own weird thing, I feel like. Well, I guess it's kind of like a weird... Um, it's not really weird. It's just like that's the Japanese streaming style. And then like to get it all shoved into one show where you're seeing all of those different styles at once is, is kind of a strange thing. But, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to news coming out of Tokyo Game Show, given that I mostly care about Japanese video games. So a couple of last two news stories for things that I specifically... Um, well, one of them I'm kind of interested in picking up. The other one I, I have kind of already dipped my toes into. Um, the first one is the uh, Panzer Dragoon remake that came out for Nintendo Switch um, is getting released on PS4 and PC. Um, you know, I never ended up picking the Switch version, unfortunately. Uh, I was planning on buying the physical from Limited Run Games, but I uh, missed the... <laughs> Missed the ordering period for the physical copies. So I'm hoping that with the PS4 version, there will be another run for a physical PS4 version. And that will be my chance to get this game on a disc. And uh, maybe with all the DLC on the disc too. Because I think they actually put out some um, downloadable content for the Switch version. Because I think there were... 
I think it was something to do with the soundtrack. I think there's like a remix soundtrack and then they added the original soundtrack back in later, but it was like via patch. I could be wrong about that, but, but that sounds right in my brain. Um, anyways, but yeah, I would be like, I, if they, if they sell the PS4 version in a, as a physical copy, I would definitely be willing to buy that, <laughs> try to buy that again. Um, uh, you know, again, I'm not a huge Panda Dragoon one fan, to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's a game that never really, the problem was that I played Panzer Dragoon Order first, like the third game in the series, and that game has a lot going on. Panzer Dragoon 1 does not have a lot going on. Um, so I, I just don't really love it that much, to be honest with you. But I do really appreciate, you know, Sega giving somebody, you know, their property to work on a Saturn thing, you know, even though it's not a port. It's a remake. I think that's pretty cool. And I hope, you know, Sega spends more time looking at their Saturn library, looking at what they can do with Panzer Dragoon and things like that. I would love to see Burning Rangers come back in some affordable sense. That would be great. <laughs> so, yeah. And the last story here is a game I already have, but I do think it's worth mentioning because it is a game close to my heart. Uh, Rodea the Sky Soldier. Um, it's being delisted from the Wii U and 3DS eShop, unfortunately. So rest in peace, Rodea the Sky Soldier. Um, you know, there, there are plenty, a plenty of physical copies of the Wii U and 3DS one. And the Wii U one, if you get it new, comes with the Wii game too. So you should definitely do that. I did see a lot of people being like, good riddance to this because of the Wii U version of the game. Hey, man. I like the Wii U version of Rodea the Sky Soldier. It's pretty alright. It's my favorite version of that game. Um, I think the 3DS version is basically the same. So you know what's a smart decision? Ben, why don't you buy the 3DS version? Because uh, NAS America had them on clearance on their website. So they're selling them for $5. I was like, cool, 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 cool. And then I had to pay $5 shipping. So it's like, eh. But, you know, 10 bucks. That's fine. The one thing I didn't check was whether it comes to the soundtrack or not, because the 3DS version came bundled with the soundtrack. So, so I did pick that up. So I might give that a look at some point. That's a short game overall, but as far as I understand, the 3DS version is just the Wii U version, but it looks worse. <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't know that for sure though. Um, but then I'll have the complete trilogy of Rodea the Sky Soldier. I will be be prepared at any moment to talk about the benefits of each version of Red Day of the Sky Soldier. <laughs> so yeah, and that's pretty much it for 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 game news stuff. Um, there is some hardware talk going around right now. Um, I believe Sony has announced that they're going to be... I, I, I don't have the, the article here. I think this is just something Anthony mentioned to me. So if, if Anthony, if you're wrong, you're spreading false information on my podcast. <laughs> um, but it sounds like there's going to be a PlayStation event on the 16th. Talk about PlayStation 5, you know, probably pricing and release date, maybe. Um, so so that may be coming up. But but I, again, I did not actually confirm that. So so don't take my word on that. Um, but the reason why this, this probably kind of came up was the fact that uh, the Xbox Series S price leaked. Uh, the Xbox Series S, if you don't know, is basically a slimmer, cheaper version of the Xbox Series X, uh, Microsoft's next-gen platform. And while I don't think they've officially announced the Xbox Series X uh, price or anything like that, the, the, the general leak seemed to be pointing towards the Series X being uh, $500, so $499 U.S. dollars. Um, and, and so the, basically the series S is, is going to be 299 us dollars and it will have like less, less power in terms of like, you know, it's not able to do 4k graphic or 4k resolution. Um, it's also a discless console as well. 
and and apparently it's gonna not support like any kind of xbox one x enhancements so if you were playing like xbox one x uh enhanced games and you trade in your xbox one x up to a series s you will be losing something on some of those games that had those enhancements the only thing i can think off off the top of my head is i think like red dead redemption 2 had like hdr on the xbox one x version um in addition to like being in 4k so so i think there were some benefits that were like exclusive uh to that that platform that it sounds like you'll be losing if you go to a series s but the big thing is, and you know, I think I think the big thing, you know, negative wise, is that it's like a 512 gigabyte hard drive or solid state drive. I guess you should say. I don't really know technically what the memory is. Apparently, like it's it's an, it's a solid state drive, but it's like some other special memory that's separate from like a typical solid state drive that I don't know about. Microsoft selling its own proprietary memory cards for it and everything. Um, um, but 512 gigabytes. You know, at least when we look at modern game sizes that are on our current platforms, uh, it's not a great amount of space, to be honest. Um, admittedly, this memory is significantly more expensive, it sounds like, versus like a hard drive. Um, so, so yeah, it's it, it's definitely questionable. I w- I'll be curious to see how much those individual memory sticks end up costing that you can plug into the, uh, the Xbox. Um, but $299 is a great price. Um, that is like year two, year three pricing. Like we just, we just did our, our, like, like, I don't think these current consoles got down to 299 until they released like the pro, right? Like the, the PS4 pro and stuff like that. And the Xbox one S I could be wrong about that, but that, that, yeah, that, that just seems very consumer level pricing, um, very accessible kind of thing. And you, and you also have the fact that you can, you know, use your current Xbox to, to play the games that at least Microsoft will be releasing on the later platform as well. So, so I think that's a really, really smart, you know, place to position a console at launch. You know, are those platforms going to last nearly as long as the Xbox Series X in terms of, you know, how, how, you know, relevant they are? Is it going to be a situation where by the end of the console generation, you know, with like the PS4 and Xbox One, uh, most third-party games seem to not aim for that platform and like, whatever. If this game runs at 14 frames per second in some scenes, cool. What if your PS4 sounded like a jet engine and was super, super hot, dude? We don't care. We're God of War. We're prospecting to PS4 Pro. <laughs> Actually, I don't think God... I think most first-party stuff is generally generally pretty safe, other than maybe the heat aspect. I feel like I hear people talk about the PS4 fans quite a bit. Um, but, but yeah, it's... I think it's a really great place to position a, a more budget console. And, and it sounds like they're cutting in places that, that probably matter. Things like the resolution probably is not going to matter to somebody who's looking for a budget price console. Um, it's a very tempting price. The biggest bit issue with me is that, you know, I'm, I am into physical game collecting, growing my, or, or a, a, a shrinking minority, I guess I should say. Uh, in terms of people who are looking for games on a disc. So getting a, uh, a discless version of a game or discless version of a console is unfortunately not super helpful to me. I'd imagine the disc drive wouldn't cost that much, but hey, you know, I'm guessing to get that price down to $299, they are probably cutting corners here and there. And wouldn't be surprised if they're like, hey, also a part of us being able to sell this this low is the fact that we don't have to pay, you know, we're going to be getting more money on the software side when you purchase games digitally than if you were to go out and buy a disc kind of thing. So, so yeah, it's, it's kind of, um, 
I know. I think that's just a. I think that's just a really smart move, and I'll be really curious to see how it plays out. I think this console generation with Microsoft, you know, doing what they're doing with Xbox specifically, is a really fascinating um, strategy that I don't know if anybody really knows is going to work yet. Um, and I definitely, I'm definitely very curious to see how how it turns out. I'm very glad Microsoft's doing what they're doing with the platform. And you know, if that was a 299 disc console, there's a there was a probably a higher chance that I'd be almost willing to go ahead and just pick that up near launch. <laughs> Honestly, that, 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 that is a pretty decent price. And as somebody who uh, has maybe been a little miffed at some of the decisions Sony makes from time to time, this console generation, and, and also just like very happy with the proactive approach that Microsoft's been taking with like things like backwards compatibility, cross-platform play and things like that. Um, I definitely would be more interested in picking up an Xbox if the software was there. Unfortunately, I don't think the games I want are going to end up on Xbox very often. So, so yeah. And then the last bit of hardware news was um, basically there's a, yet another report about a, a upgraded Switch. Um, basically, it sounds like there were there were some initial reports about there being some kind of uh, you know upgraded Switch with more power being pushed out, and there's some follow up reports um, that basically the uh, developers of Switch games were told to start making their their games 4K ready. Um, so that will be cur- I'll be curious to see you know what that ends up being from a, a Switch perspective in terms of you know what what kind of a platform that looks like in terms of if that's going to be a console based switch or if they're also still looking to do a portable one, but are just going to be, you know, looking to provide something that might be more bulky or something like that. Um, I did see there was someone who had dug up some patents for joy cons that were standalone and didn't connect into a Nintendo switch. Um, so that, that would, could be definitely a, a sign of a direction like that. Um, I would definitely be happy to see some Joy-Cons that are not limited by the portable nature of the Switch because I love the concept of the Joy-Cons, but unfortunately, they're not very ergonomic. <laughs> so so I don't love holding them, unfortunately. That and they have a lot of other issues too, but, you know, you know, maybe they'll fix them. Probably not, though. Uh, the other thing I, I, I haven't really thought about was, you know, I, I'm definitely somebody who who is okay trading up consoles. The DS era, I stuck with the big old fat DS the entire lifespan, and that DS served me well, uh, and it eventually died. Um, but but it got me through the entire DS generation. And, um, and 3DS, I definitely traded up there because I was pretty progressively, like, like, I was not happy with the 3DS hardware and kind of had to continue to trade up to try to escape my problems with the 3DS hardware. And I don't think I ever did fully. Um, Admittedly, part of that stuff was also I had a 3DS curse where every time I got a new 3DS, it seemed like within three months I dropped it on a driveway and something was wrong with the console at that point. (laughs) I don't know why that continued to happen. So... So yeah, I did trade up a bit for that. I'm definitely not opposed to trading my Switch in to get something that's a bit more powerful, especially a console-only experience. You know, I don't really use my Switch portably all that often. Um, you know, I I could definitely I definitely use it from time to time when traveling, but the reality is is that I have a 3DS, I have a PSP. I I would just I'm perfectly fine with the console-only solution for the Nintendo Switch at this point, and you know I. If I ever wanted to get something portable, I don't think it would be that much of a stretch for me to get a, a cheap, you know, Switch portably if it ever became a real issue. 
But yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I need to see what they're doing with the platform first and foremost. Uh, the big weird thing that I could think of, though, is just I don't really know. The only the only company I really know about trading in for is like GameStop. I guess like maybe mom and pop game shops as well. You could do like a trade up as well there, too. But I'm curious to see, you know, if GameStop survives for how long. And then if not for the 4K switch, kind of where would be the best place to go for me to to do that kind of trade in? I don't know if any other retailers really offer that kind of stuff. But yeah. Anyways, those are all the words out of my mouth this week. Thank you for coming. OneControlReport.com is the website. Uh, if you didn't see, last week I had a Halo 3 ODST uh, quick play that went up. Um, so go check that out. It may be renamed at this point if I decide to change the name of what these more recent quick plays have been. But just look up Halo 3 ODST on my website and or on, you know my youtube and you'll find it i don't really i don't have a lot of halo videos so it's gonna be the one video that shows up probably <laughs> um and then also um i will i have this week a tiny bullets video going up so if you didn't watch the tiny bullets stream or just want kind of some summer summarization of my feelings about tiny bullets for the playstation one i went ahead and did a video for that so you can go ahead and check that out that'll be going up on wednesday um, and then the week after that, I will probably have something related to Jet Girls up. But if not, the Shining Resonance video will be up after that. Um, and then hopefully I'll be having the Wizard of Oz Beyond the Olympic Road video coming up at some point. I have not started the video editing process, but I think at this point, if I really wanted to, I probably could go ahead and and start editing a video for that without too much trouble. Um, so I may begin that process, even though I haven't rebeaten the game. I don't really have to rebeat the game, but, but I'm so close to the end. I kind of feel like it might as well kind of thing, especially since it's been a nice refresher to remind me about that game. Although I have completed the script, have not looked at it yet since then. So, so that's what's up. Um, if you haven't watched the last remnant streams or the, not the last remnant, keep saying the last remnant, last rebellion stream is up on the website, uh, or, or has been going up on the website every week. Um, I stream every week on Twitch and YouTube at 7 p.m. Pacific time on Thursdays. I'd say we have about two streams left for The Last Rebellion, so so we're, we're getting pretty close there. I'm a little lost right now, so hopefully I'm not lost too much longer. Uh, I, I think I'm progressing. I don't know is the thing. I'm like going to new areas, but no cutscenes are triggering. So I'm like, am I just walking where I'm not supposed to be or or am I am I actually doing this correctly so I don't know if we get stuck for a long time next stream I might just look up a game facts guide and see if I can figure out where I'm going um, and, and do that anyways that's it for this week thanks for coming and I hope you have a great week bye